Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And I, I have to say, Wendy, I got a third daily dose of happy because just before the show, Louise and I made a new LOA friend and... It's somebody who's a longtime listener of the podcast, which is so cool. His name That's is, way cool. It's way cool. His name is Dave. I want to shout out to Dave. Hey, Dave, we had a great lunch. It was wonderful meeting you. We had a we had a two hour chat. We we did a two hour lunch together. It was just wow. fantastic. And I mean, now was it you you and Louise and Dave, or just yeah, you and him? All three of us. Yeah. And, oh wow! Cool. Uh, and, and I know that Louise liked it because she did most of the talking, so <laughs> it was great. <laughs> well, if there's any listeners that are in the Dallas area, call me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, and we're we're meeting up with another listener, uh, Lucy, on Sunday. She's the one who called in our first Tuesday yeah. night podcast. And we're, we're going to meet her on Sunday. So, I mean, this is great. Meeting, uh, first of all, having fans. I love that. That's like, this is really new in my life. And second <laughs> of all, meeting them. That's so great. That is so great. I, I'm so, I'm having a good time. I had, that's a big win for the day. That's my win. So that's how, a fabulous win. So how about you? You got any good wins going on? Well, you know me. I don't always call things wins, although almost everything in my life is a win. <laughs> um, I like to consider it a notice. Things that I'm aware of or I notice. And um, before the show, you know, as I was getting my drink and getting ready to kind of settle in and go, okay, you know, show's on, um, I heard myself in my, in my head um, sharing, sharing what I'm about to share. And I'm saying this from the perspective of, you know, I'm still working, I'm working on Project X, which is my wonderful experiment mm. um, with all things law of attraction and doing it deliberately. Right. And I focus on it continually. I mean, like, I can't even tell you how many times a day because it's just, <laughs> it's just there with me all the time because it's something I really desire. Yeah. But what I recognize is that the path that I'm on to the fulfillment of Project X is staying in tune with my inner being, staying in tune with, What's the next logical step? What's the next thing to do? Or what's the next thing to focus on? And um, that, to me, is my part. Because, you know, I think I shared last week where I'm such a doer, doer, doer. Come on, I want to do something. I was just really frustrated with not getting more instructions to do anything. Mm. And I really felt like my doing part is the focusing. And I, that came through to me loud and clear that... When an action, a physical action is required, I'll receive it, mm -hmm. and I'll know it, and I'll act on it. But until then, my job is to kind of sit back, relax, and chill, which is not a natural state for me, by the way. <laughs> um, not when I want something really bad. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I can, I can de-stress and just trust and be in a state of trusting. So that's where I'm at with it all. So last night, it was really interesting that, you know, I got my mail and there was, you know, of course, normal junk mail in there. And normally uh, I don't always open junk mail. When I can tell it's junk mail, I just put it in my pile to recycle. Mm -hmm. But instead, there was this one thing I knew was junk mail, but I opened it up. And there was a check for $500 if I buy blah, blah, blah. Right. And instead of throwing it away, I'm like, I'm going to hold on to this check. <laughs> this, this is a 
symbol to me. And I put it on my my kitchen counter, and I just went, yeah, I want to stare at this. It was a $500 check. And I'm like, you know what? More of these are coming in, only they're going to be written out to me, cashable, and I don't have to, you know, not that I don't have to do anything for them, but they'll be for legitimate income. Mm -hmm. So a little while ago when I was going down to pour my drink, um, what I heard in my head is this. I am seeking something that is so passionately exciting to me. And I really heard the word passionate in a really powerful way. It's like that's what my Project X is about. And I know I've not given away the details, but I felt like I could say this, that it's something that I'm really passionate about and is going to produce incredible income for me. Mm. And the two words, passion and income, were really bold within my my spirit, if you will. And I was kind of asking my inner being, like, am I supposed to talk about this today? Because the timing of hearing those words was like two minutes before I called you and I got a strong yes. Wow. And I'm like, what? what's the purpose of sharing it? And what I sensed was because the unfolding is coming so much sooner. I mean, like it, it's on its way. It's so on its way that the next logical step is to start defining it in these terms. Hmm. It's something I'm really passionate about and will produce incredible income for me. Okay. And not that that's news to me, but I've not heard it in that way. And I got to tell you, receiving that from my inner being just a little while ago is really exciting. And it I feels really good. Um, and I've had a really wonderful awareness of how comfortable I have become in my knowing and in my trusting that it's on its way mm. and that I don't really have to do anything. It's on its way. And in saying that, I will say the journey from this scares the hell out of me to, oh my God, is it even possible to, I think it is to, oh my goodness, I need to be in a greater state of trusting. Ooh, I didn't know I was in a non-state of trusting <laughs> to, okay, I'm trusting a bit. Okay. I'm trusting a lot. Oh, this is feeling pretty comfortable. Oh, this is good. I'm starting to feel really peaceful about this. Are you noticing, Walt? This almost seems like an Abraham rampage, but I it didn't does sound to see like it, it's but it very much is. so. Yeah. To where I am today, which is, I know it's on its way. I really know it's on its way. It's comfortable and it feels good and it feels right and it feels real and it feels as real as though I was given the closing date on my house. Wow. And I know that on such and such a date. You know, we'll sign the papers, and I will. Ha I walk away with my keys. I mean, that's how real this is to me now. Wow. That is a vast difference from where I was even a week ago. And I'm just noticing how it's spiraling in, in motion and in my, in my feelings. Because yesterday we talked a lot on the show about our feelings and how important our feelings are to this whole process of law of attraction. And I realized that my feelings are now so engaged it's not a what if game anymore. It's not a, oh, I hope. It's a, oh, my feelings are involved. I'm invested in this, not with a place of like restriction and, and, and from that thing, but just I'm invested in that this is where I am. Kind of like I'm invested in living in the house that I live in. I love my house mm -hmm. and I do things to nurture my house and I'm nurtured by my house because I'm invested. We, we're, we work together. And that's how I feel with Project X. It's like we've, we, ooh, there's a new phrase coming to me right now. 
we are merging and becoming one. And I got goosebumps when I say that. Ooh. Project X and I are merging. Wow. We're becoming one. Actually, you know what? My favorite <gasps> part of what you said there was, it was the part where you said that you found some resistance you didn't know about to let go of. That part is the part that really gets my attention. Maybe because I'm always looking for my own resistances to let go of. But you found one, and you found it on your big, big project. And that's very cool. I mean, those those are the ones that make all the difference when you let go of them. You know what's so funny? I don't remember saying that. You did, though. But I know whatever I said, you heard that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So... so you know, who knows? Maybe I was joking before the show that I felt like I needed to have like Wendy's corner on X Y Z. You know, maybe it's like what's what's the project Project X update? Because <laughs> I feel like that's what I've done every every day at the maybe, top of the show. Maybe it's what I've we given call the it. update on Project X. Because we we're looking for a term like the, is it Wendy's something? What is it? Well, it's it's Wendy's Project X update. That's what it is. So instead of there a you win, go, it's the, I, it's the project it got X created. Update. Boom. There it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. We'll use that now for quite some time until, well, it actually may not be all that much time if what you're saying is true. I mean, if this thing's coming yeah. that fast, this could be a short-term run. <laughs> well, and you know what's really fun is the very fact that we're, I, I mean, just even thinking about we're going to start the top of the show, you know, after you share your wins, it'll be Wendy's, you know, Project X update. For just half a second, that made me feel a little uncomfortable like, oh, my God, now I'm on the hook for knowing that there's something new that has to come every day. And then I settled <laughs> immediately into it always does. Oh, yeah. So it's like that's not any challenge because there's always continual progress because I've got a lot of momentum flowing on this one. Mm. And now that I know that Project X and I are merging and becoming one, oh, love that. <laughs> yes, Listeners, you heard it here. I, I received that download, that information right now while we're talking on the show. That was not something I'm relating from, you know, something I got last night or something somebody told me. It's like this is how it. This is how guidance works. It just happens. I, you receive it. I owned it and I acknowledged it. I still say saying that, it out loud. I still say that the cool part is not only that you can do that, but that you can do it at all. Because I, I'm envious of you and of Tom and, and of everyone, David, everyone who is able to just make that instant connection, communicate with inner being, like you're having a conversation, get the answers, and boom, you're done. And I'm saying, I feel like I've been left in the dust. Oh, well, <laughs> so, I still believe that you're totally getting it, and you just haven't been aware of it yet. So, so I get it, but I don't get it. <laughs> I, no, I believe the information is flowing. And it comes into your mind, but you're somehow, I, this is my, my guess, that you're dismissing it as guidance. Oh, well, it could be. You know, and that, because that was a really key thing for me a number of years ago to decipher the difference between guidance that's coming from my inner being versus my own thoughts that are just floating about. Mm -hmm. And okay. it's, it's sometimes subtle because the guidance that's coming to me are on topics that I do think about, but when, like, the thought, Project X and I are merging and we're becoming one, mm -hmm. that was like a new awareness as the words were coming out of my mouth. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, that feels really good. 
that was not a thought I'd thought about before. I've never heard anybody say things like that before. Well, you know, it reminded me of. It for reminded, me, how I know it's inner guidance. It reminded me of, of what Abraham talks about when they talk about getting into the vortex. That's what it sounded like when you said that. Uh, describe that more. Well, um, this, this whole idea of, of you and Project X becoming one, when you step into the vortex, in a sense, you're one with the vortex. You're in perfect alignment. That's the way I heard it. When you said that you're, you mm. and Project X are one, you're in perfect alignment with each other. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so you anyway. know, I got to tell you, well, one of the things I so love about the show is that it's a, a space in my life, a space in my day that happens five days a week. And this kind of input and miraculous insight shows up for me every day, and I get to talk about it. Mm. And it, for me, the ability to express it is how it um, it expands and unfolds for that's, me. So, I mean, for me, verbal expression has always been a big part of my life, yeah. and it's been very significant in my emotional growth and my sure. spiritual growth. So having this platform every day to do it is just really not only powerful, but it's exciting. It, it just it it just keeps being exciting every day. Well, that's fantastic. And that's actually something that Louise and I and Dave were talking about today during our lunch. That, uh, I mean, here on the podcast, we have a relatively safe environment. We know everyone here is friendly to the whole concept of exploring the law of attraction. And we know that our listeners are friendly to that. So it's safe. It's a safe environment. Mm -hmm. But out there in the real world, not always so safe. And uh, Dave was actually commenting that. Oh, let's um, call it the other world. Because what (laughs) we're doing now, this is our real world. (laughs) This is true. Very true. Okay, so the other world. In the other world. (laughs) It already sounds alien just by saying that. In the other world. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. I was just being silly. Well, actually, it's a good idea because it's a good idea to think that that is not the end-all and be-all. One way to do that is to think it's the other world, the alien world, so that we can start reorienting to the world we want it to be. And that's part of you know the, the basic idea, right? You, you want to focus on what you want, not what you don't want. You don't want it to be the same as it was before. So yeah, I mean, this is my this is my world and the world I live in. I don't mm-hmm. know any other world. <laughs> not for me. <laughs> But anyway, uh, David was mentioning how in the other world, uh, it can be a little bit, uh, not dangerous, but a little bit edgy to start talking about things like LOA. Even with people who have you know, very positive attitudes, just because people have you know, different feelings on it, different experiences and so forth. There are, for instance, a lot of people who saw The Secret, tried it and said, this stuff doesn't work, and they just gave up on it. So now they consider it a bunch of hooey. You know, so you get into a conversation with somebody like that. They could be very positive. But you know, because there's that lack of connection on the LOA front, it doesn't have quite the same feel. Whereas here, it's safe to talk about it, and, and it feels good to talk about it. That's one of the reasons we enjoyed meeting Dave today, because we got to talk to somebody who, you know, we could just kind of let our hair down and say, this is what we really think. This is what we really believe, and, and not worry about whether we're offending somebody or you know, pushing their wrong buttons or something like that. It's, it's a much better place to be in, and it's something that I'm grateful for. So that's one of my favorite things about doing the podcast, that this is something that I do with like-minded people on the same subject. I'm, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Yeah. I mean, like-mindedness, really big thing for me. Mm. Really big thing. Yeah. 
So anyway, we are still working on, and we'll be working on for quite some time because there's a lot of stuff in here, and we're doing it really, really carefully. The book, The Law of Attraction, The Basics of the Teachings of Abraham, which uh, Wendy and I have pretty much decided is the best primer out there on the whole subject uh, by mm-hmm. Esther and Jerry Hicks, of course. We are in Section 2, and we are on the subsection entitled, Can Attention to Medical Procedures Attract More? So I'll, I'll be Jerry and you be Abraham. Does that sound good? All righty. Okay, so here we go. Jerry says, currently there's a wide range of televised surgery going on. Do you see that sort of thing as increasing the amount of surgery that will actually occur per capita? In other words, when individuals observe televised and medical procedures, can they automatically become more of a vibrational match to the essence of medical procedures? And Abraham says, when you give your attention to something, your potential for attracting it is increased. The more vivid the details, the more vivid the more attention you will give it, and the more likely you are to attract it into your experience. And any negative emotion that you feel as you watch such thing is in, I'm sorry, let me say that again. And any negative emotion that you feel as you watch such a thing is your indication that you are negatively attracting. So, of course, that's telling us that, you know, if we're listening to what yesterday we called the EGS, our emotional guidance system. That's right, yep. If we notice that we're feeling negative, that means we're attracting negative. Very true. Okay. Yep. So then they go on and say, of course, the illness does not come upon you immediately, so you often do not take the correlation between your thoughts and your subsequent negative emotions and the resulting illness, but they are absolutely linked together. Your attention to anything is drawing it closer to you. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, there's a little so, bit of a flag going on there, <laughs> like red flag, red flag. Flag on the play. <laughs> yeah, right, flag on the play. <laughs> so they say, fortunately, because of the buffer of time, and that's in, in, quote, uh, in uh, italics, buffer of time, your thoughts do not become reality re- instantaneously. So you have ample opportunity to evaluate the direction of your thoughts by the way you are feeling, or in our words, the EGS, and to change the direction of your thought whenever you find yourself feeling negative emotion. The steady offering of details of illness is very influential in increasing of sickness in your society. If you allow yourself to focus upon the constant barrage of unpleasant statistics regarding the never-ending stream of possible physical maladies, it cannot help but affect your personal point of attraction. You might instead find a way of focusing your attention on those things that you do want to draw into your experience. For whatever you are consistently looking at, you are attracting. And then they put this also in italics, so this is important. The more you think about illness and worry about illness, the more you attract illness. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Because well, I was going to say, that's pretty darn clear. Yeah, that, we, we really should not be <laughs> The more you think on it, imagine it, get vividly involved in it, you create it. It's, it's kind of reinforcing for me and, and a little bit comforting for me to know that I never liked doctor shows. And now <laughs> I think that I was justified in not liking doctor shows and therefore not watching them. 
and I mm. think that I've actually done myself a big favor by not watching them. So patting myself on the back, I say, yay, I don't watch doctor shows. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's an interesting thing about illness, um, because here Jerry is asking the question very specifically when people are focused on, you know, like medical procedures, they're obviously focusing on malady, diseases, illnesses, et cetera, that come into the physical body. And so, of course, Abraham is, you know, addressing if you focus on illness, you may not even realize that when you were focusing on it and then maybe six months down the road you get ill or two weeks down the road you get ill, because there's a buffer of time, you may not make the correlation, oh, I focused on it and now here it is. But there's another kind of illness that comes into our life that is a little uh, less correlated where a person can actually experience illness or something in their body that's negatively adverse, adverse to them that didn't come because you thought, about, thought upon illness itself. Do you know what I'm referring to? Um, not specifically. I'm waiting for you to kind of flesh okay. it out. Okay, um, because I want to say way back in the day, like when I first started listening to Abraham, one of the key points that they talked about a lot was how what we experienced in the physical realm, in our physical body, was always an indicator of what we had been feeling on a chronic level. Now, I had to go, they use the word chronic all the time, and I had to go look it up. You know, but like chronic basically means it's something that's so habitual. It's something that happens so consistently that for most of, most times we're, we're just not even because it's that constant in our, in our mind. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to think about, um, catching a cold to catch cold. You could get a cold for other reasons because Everything that shows up in our physical body is an indicator of some emotion, some feeling that's negative that has gone unchecked. Those are my words. Um, unchecked in that meaning we didn't know what to do with it or we didn't recognize it or we denied it or we simply just went whatever and moved on. But every time we have negative emotions that don't get addressed, they, especially if you're thinking the same kind of negative thing over and over that causes a negative emotion, eventually it gets stored in your body somewhere. Now, do you know where I'm going with it? If not, I'll, that's okay. No, I get, the, I get the drift of where you're going. I'm not quite sure what ultimate point okay. you're trying to reach, but yeah, I get where you're going. Well, so like um, I, 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 my business partner, he, he has since transitioned about five, six years ago. Um I remember he had a series of illnesses in his life that all were around his heart. He had heart failure. He had a heart attack. He had, um, I can't remember, some other disease name for things that had to do with the heart. And then he also had issues with his lungs. And I remember when he told me, you know, that his doctor wanted to do a surgery to help increase um the ability to take in more oxygen and even after the doctor did the surgery the doctor was saddened because he said we got no positive effect he goes it didn't get worse but no positive effect and my, my friend Steve was literally only be able to take in 25% of his lung capacity 
Wow. And when we look, when I look at that, I go, okay, um, these are indicators. Because Abraham said that every time something shows up in our body, it, there were precursors to it. And the precursors were in the form of negative emotions that we didn't know how to possess. And before Steve and I, you know, before he passed, we had many conversations and we agreed um, that the beliefs that he had about life is what brought this stuff to him. He, he believed that, like, the world was just squishing the life out of him. You know, he did always feel like he was having a hard time breathing and taking in life because life was happening so fast and he couldn't keep up. And he felt like he was always out of breath. And so it was real around the time that he was going through this. This is when I was learning how to take what Abraham was talking about and understanding the metaphoric way that we talk about things was often the clues to help understand what's the underlying uh, vibration that was actually caused disease or malady in the body. So this is pretty much the, the same line that uh, Louise Hay took with her idea of symptoms as a metaphor. She wrote a book on the topic. And uh, so in this case, the, the metaphor of, of uh, being a, not being able to take in air was that he just can't, couldn't take in everything happening in life. But there was a parallel there. Exactly. And he said, you know, he just, I'm always out of breath. I just feel like, you know, I I can't move fast enough to keep up with what's going on. I'm just always out of breath. And that that kind of, to me, talked about what was going on in his lungs. But then when it came to all the heart issues he had, I would say he had his heart broken from a very early age. Mm. Um, He was a gay man who was an only child and not not so like ironically but yet ironically his father had been gay and that was the reason why his mother divorced him when Steve was only two years old and there was this holy hush around um the father it's like nobody knew what was up with the father he was just always made out to be the bad guy and it wasn't until Steve was in his teenage years that he found out that his father was gay, which was kind of like a positive thing for him because he knew he was gay, mm-hmm. but he knew he could. Would you believe this? Steve died in his mid fifties, and even upon his death, he never once had a discussion with his mother about his gayness. Oh wow! I mean, his mother knew because wow. he was living with a man. It was kind of obvious, <laughs> but there was like. No verbal discussion, like it was something that was so hideous and not to be talked about in his family that even when he came out and he was gay and he was with somebody, it still could never be mentioned. Now, why is that significant? Because that broke his heart. He couldn't be who he was. And it's like it it always hurt his heart. I know because I know how he talked about it. It hurt his heart deeply that he couldn't just live his authentic truth in a way that he could just proclaim who he was to the people who mattered to him. As you're talking and about so, that, as you're talking about that, that uh, little very poignant and sad story, I'm reminded of what some people describe as the definition of disease, dis-ease, not being at ease. 
he was clearly mm-hmm. not at ease with who he was. He was not mm-hmm. at ease enough to, to even talk to his family about it, which is understandable. But nevertheless, it, it's a little bit tragic because his dis-ease ultimately led to his demise. Absolutely true. And at, at the end of his life, I at least can say, to, if I can put a, a happy smile on this story, um, I believe he was at peace with who he was. And I just believe that the diseases had gotten to such an acute state that he couldn't make the mental shifts in order to have it all turn around. And he was really at peace with letting himself go and letting his life end, you know. And just just to put a strange little twist on it, um, I was in my car. This is before he passed. I knew he was in a hospice. And... I was driving somewhere and I just felt his presence very strongly, even though I knew he was still alive in the hospice. And I just said, Steve, is that you? And I kind of got a yes. And I, it was kind of like I was sensing something. I didn't hear words. It was just a feeling. And I, I remember saying out loud in my car while I was driving down the highway, Steve, if you're ready to go, it's okay. Don't think that anybody is going to like, be upset with you because you choose to go. It's not like it's a, it's a failure. As a matter of fact, it's your strength and courage that you would allow yourself to go now instead of ring. So if I said, I feel as though you're coming to me for permission. And so if you're asking for it, you've got my permission. I love you and I'll, I'll love you here and I'll love you on the other side. And it was a couple days later, I had gone to some business meeting in the evening and I had a reason that I had to check my cell phone for something. And I was not a texter back in these days. And I looked and there was a text that had been on my phone for several days. And when I looked, it was the man that he lived with sending me a text saying he's, he's crossed over. And I looked at the timestamp and it was like within an hour from when I had the discussion with him that it was okay for him to go. Which pretty powerful. to me was, it was my 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 confirmation that yes we had that com- we had that conversation, and I helped him cross over, and that was a beautiful part of it, and um, but I wanted to put a positive spin if if you can say that on something like that because I didn't want to just tell the story and have it sound dismal. Because <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't. Well, it was I think really there's a beautiful also thing. there's also a very positive side to this. The very positive side is if this is what dis-ease leads to, we can simultaneously take it as a sort of a reverse model and imagine, well, what does ease lead to? Because if dis-ease leads to all this stuff, some of which we may not want in our lives, well, then focusing on ease, that's going to lead us in pretty much the opposite direction. Ease is going to lead us to health. Ease is going to lead us to wealth. Ease is going to lead us to relationships. Ease is going to lead us to that happy, joyous life we've been looking for. Ease is going to lead us to all of it. Ease is leading me to the fulfillment of Project X, where I get to be doing something that is incredibly passionate um, within my world, as well as incredibly financially lucrative. (laughs) That's ease. (laughs) So instead of focusing on medical shows, maybe what we should be focusing on is 
what, ease shows? I'm not sure what to call them, <laughs> but shows that are about, <laughs> you know, feeling good. Feeling good. Mm-hmm. Feeling good's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, Jerry's asking the question, if we focus more on medical stuff, does it mean we're going to bring more medical stuff into our life? The answer is yes. But there's lots of things that can bring negative things into our life. And there's lots of things that can bring positive things into our life. And we get to choose what we want to bring into our life by what we focus on. We do indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, this does tie into the next section, so we should probably bring this in quickly. It says, should I seek the cause of my negative emotions? <laughs> Which that's kind of the next logical question for really what is. we just explored. It's Perfect. certainly a logical question for me because I asked it a lot, particularly in, in my early explorations of, uh, of the law of attraction. So Jerry asked, suppose you are using the creative workshop process of focusing on the things that you want, but then later if you are out of the workshop and you feel a negative emotion, would you suggest trying to find out what thought caused the negative emotion? Or would you suggest just thinking of one of the things that you've been thinking about in the workshop that you want? Which is a good question. And Abraham says, The power of the creative workshop process is that the more attention you give to a subject, the more powerful it becomes and the easier it is to think about it and the more it begins to appear in your experience. Whenever you are aware that you are feeling negative, it is important to understand that while you may not be aware of it, you have been conducting a negative workshop. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, whenever you catch yourself feeling a negative emotion, we would suggest that you try to gently pull your thoughts around to something that you do want to experience, and little by little, you will change your habit of thought regarding those thoughts. Whenever you are able to identify something that you do not want, you can always then identify what it is that you do want. And as you do that again and again, your pattern of thought on every subject that is important to you will shift more in the direction of what you do want. In other words, you will gradually build bridges from the current beliefs that you are about, sorry, the current beliefs that are about things you do not want over to the beliefs about things that you do want. I have to say, I I wish that I had had that much clarity as an answer the first time I asked myself the question of, well, should I try to figure out why I'm having negative emotions <laughs> because it would have saved me a lot of grief. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, I did learn a lot. I have to say I learned a lot by trying to explore what the root of negative emotions was, what the cause was, you know, what it took to fix it and all that kind of thing. Cause I learned a whole lot about what not to do. And mm. that sounds a little bit facetious to say that a little bit silly, but in fact I did learn a lot about what not to do. I learned how ineffectual it is to work on that stuff. Now, does that mean that I have no interest in exploring that anymore? Heck no. I'm doing a podcast where we sometimes explore negative issues. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the interest level is still there. The difference now is that I no longer make it the basis for whether or not I'm successful with the use of, of LOA in my life. I never make it a, a part of my decision-making process in terms of, well, you know, Maybe I should take into account that negative side because there's probably something important there. No, I just don't even think that anymore. I am interested in it, but I'm interested in it more from the perspective of I want to know what it is I'm avoiding. I want to know what it is I'm saying no thank you to. 
<laughs> because that's part of the contrast, right? You're, you're in the contrast. So you can say, yes, I want some of that. And no, thank you. I don't want any of that. Well, in order to say, no, thank you. I don't want any of that. You got to know that it is negative for you. You got to know it's there and you got to know something about it. So, so I guess my answer is there is some value in knowing something about the, the, the causes, if you will, the origins of your negative emotions, but the value mm -hmm. is mainly to help you get quicker to what you really want instead. And that's what I use it for. Well, and so I don't know that Abraham really answered Jerry very directly. Not really. Um, because Jerry said, you know, hey, if something negative happens, should we go figure out what the negative problem is that caused it? And in essence, they kind of said, no, you don't really need to do that um, in what they said here. I've also heard Abraham saying there's no need to try to dig into your past in order to um, move forward with something. But I will say that there are times that as I'm seeking um, how to uh, remove some negativity or how to, like, change a vibration, there will be times that, like, um, a random thought of something that happened in childhood will just pop up in my thinking, and it's almost always connected to this thing I'm trying to figure out. And sometimes if I go, oh, yeah, I remember that happened to me when I was a kid, and then I kind of explore, well, what was I thinking, and what did I make it mean? Sometimes I can find the absolute origin of some negative thing I'm doing today, and then if I can find, you know, like, or recognize, oh, well, that's not even true. That's just what I thought when I was a kid because I only knew things the kids know. But I know things differently today. Sometimes that in itself, poof, it's gone. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we have to go digging for the negative stuff to find the cause. Yeah, I, I think the, the real measure of it is we'll looking at something from our past that was negative that's a particularly sore spot, something that has perhaps been getting in the way of us moving forward. If we look at that and we do, we look at it for a relatively brief period of time with the intention of desensitizing it and basically taking its power away so that it won't continue to haunt our subconscious mind, so to speak, then I think there's a lot of value in that. I think the problem happens when we end up focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it and focus. Do you get the idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. where it's just continuous. And I've done it a million times, so oh, I totally get have. it. Yeah, we all have. That's where it gets problematic. Um, now, what Abraham is, is talking about is if you're trying to attract some, a particular positive thing, something that you like, then you're really not serving yourself by focusing on the negative. And I agree with that. Um, I don't right. get the impression that Abraham is saying, well, if you have something major from your past or you know, some, some major trauma that's in your way and, and, and you want to be able to uh, get past it and, and get into a happier future, that you should just you know, skip the negative and just start working toward the positive. I don't think they're going to say that because Abraham is the one who teaches the idea of incrementalism. They're the one who, right. who says you can't go from depression to joy in one step. It's just too far to go. You have to work well, your way up to you, rage and then up to d disappointment and then up to perhaps yeah. even hope before you can get possibly get the joy. If you've got a ton of momentum going in the direction you don't want, they say you can't stop the momentum train instantaneously and turn it around. You have to let the momentum slow down. And I love the metaphor of the train because if I think of a train going 70 miles an hour, you know, that's carrying tons of baggage, cargo, you know, et cetera, you can't just slam the brakes and have it stop immediately and turn around. 
it would completely upset and derail possibly the train, um, but it'll throw the baggage around. It'll throw everything. It just throws everything out. You know, you have to let it slow gradually. You let, you know, you put the brakes on the train and if it takes a mile or two for it to slow and come to a stop, it does. And we can understand that, I think, when we think about a train or a car or any kind of um, transportation that has to come to a stop. We recognize there's a lag from the time you put your foot on the brake until the time the car actually does come to a full stop. Oh, yeah. But we don't like to give ourselves that grace to allow the momentum that we've created in a certain area of our life to come to its eventual stop. That's true. There's there's a really uh, poignant example of it, too, that... I didn't really know about until fairly recently. I, I heard about this: an oil tanker, a ship that carries oil on the on the ocean. Do you know how how long it takes for an oil tanker from the moment that the captain gives the order to the moment that it stops? Do you know how long, how far it goes before it stops? It must be a long amount of time. I have no idea. Ten miles. Really. Ten miles to stop a tanker. You think about that. Ten miles. <laughs> well, you know that that makes sense from this perspective. I was on a, a jury one time um, in in my local city, and it was kind of like traffic jury. It wasn't you know criminal stuff. Mm-hmm. And this the guy who was cited with a ticket was a truck driver, and I don't know if it's worldwide, but I mean like throughout the whole country. But I know in the state of Texas. A truck driver cannot afford to get even one ticket without possibly losing his license. Mm-hmm. And so they try to fight them anytime it happens. Right. And so this guy is in court, and apparently he was driving some kind of a, a truck. It wasn't like a semi, but it had like liquid gas in it. It was something that was very volatile, that much I remember. And how he won his case is because he supposedly he went through a stop stoplight and he was at that you know the the point of no return where you have to make the decision do I go through it or do I slam the brakes well he was at a point where when the light turned red he couldn't stop safely and he talked about he talked all the statistics that sound very much like what you're talking about with the oil tanker of how volatile it would be for him to have slammed the brakes and how much damage it could have caused, and apparently it could have become explosive, you know, which would have been devastating to, like, everything in that intersection. And I was like, I never thought about that. I mean, you know, think about, don't we drive by these kinds of tankers all the time on the road? Oh, yeah. And we don't think about how volatile they are, but, you know, that makes a really good case for law of attraction that it takes time to slow the momentum in a way that is safe for you, your body, and everyone else concerned. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. And, it, well, it's one of the good reasons to look at this question about, you know, should I seek the cause of my negative emotions? This is sort of the argument against. <laughs> because the more time that we're spending focusing on those negative emotions is more time that we're working to build up that momentum that, that takes so long to slow down. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I want, I want to highlight this one sentence in the middle of this last paragraph. It says, whenever you are able to identify something that you do not want, you can always then identify what it is you do want. Now, I'm a little contradictory on that statement because oh, why? I 
don't necessarily think that when I know something I don't want that I always know what it is I do want. And I've had many clients that I'll say, well, all right, so we know what you don't want. What do you want? And they look at me like, I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, and I've heard Abraham say this, you know, many times that the moment you experience something very unpleasant, in that moment, kind of like on a psychic level or on a vibrational level, you are shooting off what they call a rocket of desire for what it is you do want. And fortunately, your inner being, like, captures it and then becomes it. They, they become the immediate vibration of the thing that you prefer, the thing that you want. But oftentimes, or I find that sometimes when you're in the negative experience, you're so in the negative experience. Mm. And you don't know what you're wanting instead except for that not to happen. And you don't know how to even articulate it. And so... Even though I know that on some level of your being, you know what it is you prefer, at least I believe that, I don't know that that means that in the moment you're experiencing something you don't want, you automatically know what it is consciously of what you do want. And sometimes I think it takes effort or time to really sit with it and go, what is it I really want? I mean, I'll give you an example that to me was like, it took me forever to understand this or to like have this even come into my own awareness. Like someone had been really rude to me and I, I just hung on to how ludicrous it was and how just cruel it was for this person to be rude. And, and I just kept milking how rude they were. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't see anything else except they're rude. And if you were to ask me, well, what is it you preferred? I'm like, well, for this to have not happened, but what I missed was the subtle nuance. What I was looking for was someone to be kind, which is not rude. Uh, what I wanted was not rude, but I could, it took me a long time to find the words, oh, I, I wanted kindness. What I really wanted was kindness. Well, the good news is that we also do have, at least like you said, we at least have the ability to say, well, I don't want that. Right. And it's not the same thing as saying, here's what I do want, but it is the first step in that direction. I think that's actually what and Abraham that, is alluding to. That, that first step, now you have at least a path to figure out what it is that you do want. Even if you don't know it instantly, you have the path. It's there. And I would agree with that. I just wanted to make comment that, because like when I read that, it, the way I read it, it's like, okay, so now you don't, you know what you don't want. Boom. So now, of course, you know what you do want. And yeah, not to quite me, that simple. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know it instantaneously all the time. You know, I think I'm much faster at it today, but even sometimes I'm like, okay, I know there's something that I'm wanting. I just can't tell what it is. I just know I don't want this. <laughs> what I have found I is, have that, kinda... is that the words can be hard. Trying to identify what the words are of what it is that you want is the hard part. It's not that, that the, the idea of it isn't there. It's the wording of it. So, for instance, I'm going to make a ludicrous example. Um, if uh, you punch me in the nose, my instant reaction is I don't want you to punch me in the nose. But I also have a feeling like I want it to be a situation where you don't push, punch me in the nose. I haven't gotten it to the point yet where I can say I want it to be that you respect my privacy. And you, you respect that your fist shouldn't be hitting my nose and you respect that, you know, I, I want to feel good. And now all of a sudden the mm -hmm. words are starting to come out. But the feeling is there. The feeling is there even before the words are there. Right. And 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 I think it's almost an art form sometimes to really 
sit with it long enough that you can figure out what those feelings really mean to you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Cause I mean, there, there've been times I've been working on stuff where I clearly don't want the experiences that I'm having, but trying to figure it out what it is that I really want sometimes takes some effort and it's not as simple as just saying, um, I don't want to punch in the nose. So what do I want? I want to not be punched in the nose yeah. <laughs> because I don't even want to focus on not being punched that's in the right. nose. Cause obviously that's still <laughs> focusing on being there. punched yeah, in the nose. Go, right. <laughs> but I liked what you suggested that maybe what you're really desiring is respect. Yes. But it takes a little bit of effort or, or what I'll call poking there. around yeah. by asking different questions. And you'll know that if respect is what you're really desiring, and the punch in the nose is the opposite of it, then you'll know it because when you get to, oh, yes, I'm wanting respect. Oh, my gosh, that's what I want. And it'll have a very powerful feeling. And you'll know by the feeling that you've landed on, yes, this is what it is that I've really been looking for. I think there's also a really fascinating corollary that goes along with it. And the corollary is that when we find ourselves challenged with the idea of trying to come up with what it is that we want rather than what we don't want, and when it's taking us a while to get to that point where we can verbalize it, it is, I'm going to say 100%, well, I'll say 99%, 99.9% because I guess you can never say never, but pretty darn close to 100% likely that that is something you you have a tendency to focus negatively on a lot. And I say that because you've never actively come up with a positive alternative. So all, all, the, all I know is I focus on the negative. The negative is the only thing I've ever known because I've never thought about a positive alternative to it. So clearly all I've been thinking about is a negative where that thing's concerned. Which is what Abraham would call a chronic thought. A chronic thought, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I find that to be helpful because if I find I'm up against something where I don't have vocabulary for it, that's a little signal like, uh-oh, I think I just uncovered something that I didn't realize I was being negative on for a long time. Hmm. Good point. Yeah. It's helpful. It's helpful because when you when you come upon that, now actually that's like the first stage for you know releasing some of that resistance that we talk about. That's what I find when I run into one of those and then work my way through to the point where I can identify what my new language is for the positive alternative, a little piece of resistance falls away. I don't know if that's what happens to you, but it happens to me. <laughs> well, I, well I, what that was making me think of is um, situations that, or I should say vibrational patterns that may have been um, instituted or, or originated when we were pre-verbal. Hmm. So most of us are not talking before the age of one. So if we picked up some vibration in our environment um, that was negative before we even had language, and then we continue to run that vibrational pattern into our adult life, and, and I'm saying this from personal experience, that when I encounter it, and I know, oh, because now I know as an adult, oh, I don't like how this feels. And I kind of start poking around at it to figure out, you know, how I can clear this energy. Um, I have found sometimes I literally I, I will say 
it's like there's no utterance for this. It's like I can feel it. It has a distinct feeling and vibration. I get that piece, but I don't know what to call it. I don't even know where to go with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, I keep poking at it. And eventually I poke at it long enough, and I have come to the conclusion on a couple occasions, no wonder I had no words. I received this vibrational energy before I even could speak. I had no good words point. for it back yeah, then. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. You know, and then once I had that awareness, then it was like I was able to try to put words to it that were sort of like what I thought it felt like, and then eventually I could break break it free. But it's interesting how we can pick up things even when we're pre-verbal that there are no words for because we're not speaking yet. You're right. We're not speaking yet. But it, the same rule also applies now when we're very verbal. I'm, I'm realizing that. In fact, we were talking earlier about uh, communicating with the inner being, and, and you were saying, well, you're probably getting communications and you're just not realizing it. Here's one. Mm -hmm. I'll bet you this is one right here, what we're discussing, this whole idea of of getting the feeling before we have the words. I'll bet you that's an impulse from inside. Like, are you saying right now in this very moment that was an impulse that came to you that feels like you resonate to that idea? Yeah, yeah. And I think cool. that's what happens each time now. I'm, I'm beginning to buy into this idea that I am getting these impulses. Well, if that's true, and if I'm just not recognizing them as impulses, I certainly recognize that as something I get a lot. I'll bet you that's what that is. I'll bet you you're right. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I found one, folks. I found one. <laughs> <laughs> so here you've been envious of the, your other co-hosts because you think that you've been left out, and you have never been left out. You just didn't recognize it. Well, now here's the real chance, or the real trick, rather. Can I remember it the next time? <laughs> I think I probably will now. Can. but <laughs> Of course you can, because here's what I do know about you. You have been so focusing as of late on wanting to recognize the voice of your inner being, recognize the subtle impulses that come to you. I think you're way more focused on that than what if I can't hear it again. So, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, That's, I guess then, I mean, it's like, what do you put more more attention on? Hearing that voice or blocking it? I'm getting more attention on the hearing it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to just take a, just a stab in the dark guess that once upon a time, you were focused on, even if it came to me, I wouldn't even know what it is. So it never comes to me. I don't mm -hmm. know what that is. Sure. Oh, yeah. And it's, and it's really kind of exciting to know that you can have just a subtle shift based on your curiosity that will help to actually um, open you up to receiving the things that you didn't even know were possible or that you didn't think you specifically could have. Well, it's funny. It's both exciting and it's a little bit um, unnerving because now I have one less excuse. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I, I can't make the excuse anymore, right? <laughs> I can't make the excuse anymore that I'm get, not getting signals. Like, oh yeah, that's right. I am rats. No more excuses. So what is it about having excuses that would that works for you? Know. I have no idea. <laughs> I think I have said that out of humor, but wow, yeah, I, I really don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> Does it feel a little bit daunting to know that, like, when you're capable? 
of hearing your inner being that now you're kind of on the hook responsible for hearing your inner being? I guess. I, I don't really think of it as being more on the hook because I think I was on the hook all along. It's just, I, I think it's just getting used to the idea that I have been receiving it all along. And there's mm-hmm. there's a certain discomfort because first I wasn't feeling like I'm receiving it and now all of a sudden I'm shifting into, well, I guess I really was receiving it. Any kind of shift like that can be a little uncomfortable just because it's not familiar. Yeah, so it's it's going to become more familiar, I'm sure. But initially it's just, eh. It's just a little bit. It's a bit of a thing. It's a thing. That's what it is. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I know from my experience, I've certainly, I, I, I've had the concern that what if I miss it? What if my inner being's talking to me and well, I miss some that. really important? I, I thought things. I'd been missing all of them, so I'm way past that. <laughs> um, but you know what? The, the thing that kind, of, the thing that totally encourages me, is that I've heard Abraham say inner being is calling us constantly and it's kind of like if you miss one train you'll catch the next one and so if we miss the subtle still voice that's being spoken within us on a regular basis and there are too many environmental things that are just loud and clanging and we can't hear it no big deal there will be a moment of quietness and we'll receive it then and that encourages me that i'm not going to miss it that is good because I used to feel like, oh, my God, what if the most important like, direction that ever comes to me in my whole life, I miss. You know, then I'm screwed. My whole life is screwed. It's all over. But, You're done. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing that the voice, you know, of my inner being is, is coming to me 24-7, it's like it's always being broadcast. Always, always, always. I can't miss it. Like, oh, thanks. I mean, even for the person that seems as though they live from hardship to hardship, they're obviously, well, maybe not obvious, but they're not really hearing their inner voice with the guidance that is available to them. But you know what? What I like about hardship is eventually you have so much of it, eventually, hopefully, you'll get to the point that you go, I give up. I can't stand it anymore. (laughs) And that's the inner being goes, ah, that's what we've been waiting for. Yeah, right. The the surrender. Now we can talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It's all good. Yeah. It's totally all good. Well, one thing I do know about broadcasts, though, and that is unlike the inner being broadcasts, ours do come to an end, and we're, we're about a minute and a quarter away from that. So we have to draw a line. We are. Yeah. It's that quick. It's it's like it, it's amazing how it sneaks up on us. But I do want to take a moment to say, because we haven't done any of, any of our commercial messages during this, this podcast, subscribe and share if you haven't done it. The instructions are right on the homepage, LOAToday.net. Had an interesting question from Dave today. He wanted to know, how do you listen to the live podcast? Once again, the answer is the homepage of LOAToday.net. How, it is, how is it that you find out the instructions for connecting to us on the Zoom platform? As it turns oh, wait, out, wait. I think I know the answer. Oh, LOAToday.net. There it is. My God. <laughs> we have so much stuff on that homepage. It could take years for you to go through it. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. It's actually pretty easy. But please go to LOAToday.net. You know, subscribe, share. And by the way, remember also the people who subscribe and keep listening, they're the ones who find out about how to get that free ebook that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So something to look forward to. Wendy, it's been great. Let's do it again tomorrow. Let's. Mm-hmm. All right. And we'll invite you back as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now.